You may be seated. Isn't that exciting? Isn't it awesome to be able to come into God's house, to sing His praise, to be able to know for sure that Christ is Lord and Christ has set you free. We are free. My prayer is you know Him. My prayer is that you're free in Christ. You have a personal relationship with Him, that you're walking with Him, that you're growing. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect, but we are becoming, we are being made into the image of Christ daily, every single day. I pray that you have that relationship to be able to stand here and, and confidently sing with the, with, the, with the group on stage that we're free, we're free forever, we're free. Praise God for what he did for us. You know, we could not have done it ourselves. I mentioned earlier we had a baptism first service. Baptism does not save you. Church membership does not save you. We can't work hard enough to save ourselves. We can't do enough to forgive ourselves. Only Christ, hear that this morning, hear that all morning. Only Christ forgives. Only Christ saves. Only Christ is our hope for all of eternity. It's nothing we take with us. We can't take anything. We're not doing enough down here on this earth to earn it or to deserve it, it is by God's grace and God's goodness that we are free in Christ. And I do hope that you know Him as Lord and Savior. This morning, if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go with me over to the book of 1 John. We're reading 1 John this month. Last month, we were in the Sermon on the Mount. month before, we read Philippians. This month, we're reading 1 John. I said uh, this past Wednesday night that if you read it day in and day out, not just read it to check it off, not just because the preacher says so or somebody in your Sunday school class or a friend is challenging you. No, if you are actually going into the Word of God every day and, and hungering and thirsting for Him, you will not be the same this time the end of the month. As a believer, you will not be the same. As you wrestle with, as you are daily pouring over the fact that we're to, we're to follow His commandments. We're to, we're to be in Christ. We're to follow His commandments. We're to love one another. There's so many tests inside of 1 John to answer the question, to be able to look at your life, to be able to examine your own walk. And, and look, it's black and white in this book. There's no gray. You either are or you're not. You either is or ain't. You're either His or you're not. And as you read through it, I pray that you allow the Spirit of God to just move over and move through you and transform all of us. I want to be transformed. I read it. I mean, it's a, it's a fun book to read. It's exciting. It's, a, it's full of love. It's, it's a good book. Um, and this morning, later, we're going we're gonna to observe the Lord's Supper, and this morning we're, we're somewhat talking about, what we're talking about this morning is Jesus. We're talking about what He did for us. The, the Lord's Supper communion, it is remembering back the sacrifice that He made. I was, was asked earlier, who's it for? Okay, let me say that. Who's it for? It's for believers. Okay? If you're a believer, it's for you. It's you who are remembering. This do in remembrance of what Christ did. We do it in remembrance of Him. We're remembering the sacrifice that Christ made for you. If you don't know Christ, then you don't do it. It's not for you. It's not closed. It's just for believers. We do it in remembrance of Him and what He did for us. He gave us hope. He gave us 
he'll never, that, that I'm never going to stop, never going to let me down. He's never, 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 God's never going to let us down. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that fun to sing? Guys, here's the deal. We come into here, we come in this room, and we sing those songs, and we get all excited. But when we're out those doors, when we're out there and life is happening, you don't forget this stuff. He's never going to let you down. He's never going to walk away from you. He's never, ever, ever going to walk away. That doesn't mean we're not going to walk away from Him at times. doesn't mean we're not going to drift. Have you ever caught yourself drifting? We all drift. We get in places, we find ourselves in, in sketchy patches. Praise God for His Holy Spirit. Praise God for His convicting power. Praise God that He draws you and I, sons and daughters of His, back to Repentance? What is repentance, Brother Shannon? I hear that word all the time. You know what repentance is? Repentance is stop doing it your way and doing it God's way. Repentance is a 180 turn. It's turning away from running in the direction you want to run to and run in the direction that the Lord would have us to run to. You know, as we slowly read through the book of 1 John together this month, I pray that there's a lot of repentance that goes on. That we actually think about those verses that we actually, I mean, do we love others? Are we loving our neighbor? Are we loving those people? You know, it's easy to say that we love God, we love God, we love God, but then not loving others, then we need to, we need to stop and, and, and wrestle with that. And listen, there's nothing, there's nothing that they're doing that we haven't done. There's nothing that they're actually doing that's our excuse for why we don't love that we don't do ourselves. No, it may not be exact, but it's, it's similar. It may not be identical, but we do the same kind of stuff. Picking and choosing, guys, we can't pick and choose. What if God had pick and choose? What if it had been just because of our last name? What if it had been just because of how much money we had or how much, how good we were? Guys, he didn't. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, praise God, that we serve a whosoever God. God in His omniscience, God in His all-knowing sovereignty has it all figured out. And we just by faith walk every single day of our lives. Turn with me over to 1 John chapter 1. Testimony. What is your testimony? What is it? Uh, your testimony is, is before Christ, I was this person. I, I lived this way. I walked like this. I acted this way. But when Christ found me, people's like, I don't have a testimony. Well, if you're a Christian, you have a story. It's your testimony. Before Christ, I was this. And when Christ found me, I was this. And since then, I've gone this direction. And, and he's carried me and he's walked with me. Do you have a testimony? Do you have a story of when you met Christ. Do you have a story of, of my story? You want to hear my story? I was nine years old. I was a kid at Vacation Bible School. I've said it many, many times, even on this stage. Vacation Bible School when I was nine years old. I went back into the room after church for one reason. Not because I wanted Jesus. I wanted a sucker. I did. I wanted one of them blow pops. You know, the blow pop you suck down, you get gum in the middle. That's all I wanted was a blow pop. I didn't want Jesus. Me, 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 me. That's all I knew. But I had a teacher that sat me down and asked the question, is that all you want? And she started sharing the gospel with me clearly. And that night, I'll never forget. I forget most things, but for some reason, I've told it enough. I don't forget this. God saved me. 
He saved me. He brought a nine-year-old boy from death to life. He brought a, brought a little boy who, listen, I had not murdered anybody, hadn't, hadn't, hadn't really done a lot of bad stuff. I was an okay kid, but I was lost. I'd never trusted Jesus as my Savior. Had never came to the place to where I said, Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ, that you are the Son of the living God, that you are my only hope. I didn't understand then what I do now. I still don't completely wrap my mind all the way around what God has done for me, but I trust Him. You say, where are you going to go when you die? I'm going to go to heaven. Why? Because of Jesus? Yeah, but you speak. Won't you talk about you're going because you're a decent or you're a preacher? No, it's none of that. It's not because I speak or not because I'm a preacher or not because I've tried. It has nothing to do with my goodness. It all has to do with Christ Jesus. That's my testimony. My testimony is as a nine-year-old boy, I met Christ and started a walk and started walking with Him all through my teenage years, through college, through, through married and raising kids, and here I stand before you today, 46 years old. That puts me how old as a, as a Christian? What's that, 37 years old as a Christian? Brother Shannon, you should have it figured all out. You're a doctor. You should know all this stuff. I don't. I just simply know Jesus. I just simply put my trust and my faith in Christ every single day. That's my testimony. What's your testimony? Where were you before Christ? Where were you when Christ found you? And how's your walk been since? You, you may be sitting there saying, Brother Shannon, I don't have that story. I don't have that story yet. But you can. Look at 1 John chapter 1. 1 John, what was from the beginning what was from the beginning, turn over, you, you just sat there and you just read, I want you to look at something. Hold your finger there because we're coming back, see my sticky's there, we're going to come back to there. Go over to John chapter 1, John chapter 1, look at what scripture says. What was from the beginning echoes back to John 1. Guys, salvation is a God thing. Look at, look at John 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Remember Remember, they crucified Jesus on the cross of Calvary. He came to his own, his own received him not. But to as many as believed, he gave them the right to be called sons of God. Jesus was there in the beginning with God. He's always been. Remember, go further back, way further back, all the way to the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was there. Listen, I don't understand it. I want to tell you something this morning. I don't understand it all, but by faith I believe it all. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have always existed forever and ever and ever and ever. They had no start date. They've always been. You're like, wow, that's a lot. That's hard to, that's hard to wrap my mind around. Well, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, God what was from the beginning, all the way back in the beginning, before there was any of all of this, there was God. He was outside of time, space, matter. He was outside of it. He spoke all of that into existence. 
I've, many times. I think last night was a pretty night. I, I remember looking up. Last night was a big old bright moon. You know, some nights you can look up way into the sky and you can see all of those stars and all of that up there. Sometimes you can see planets. They say them, them bright ones are planets ever so often. But if you get outside of our Milky Way and go way, way, way further out there and start talking lengths of measurement that are so beyond our comprehension, light years and, and the universe and stuff like that, as big and as vast and all the billions upon billions of stars that are out there, and, and we're just a tiny little speck on this massive big old thing, and every bit of it God holds in His hand. And he's outside of all of that. He's outside of time, space, and all of that. And he spoke it into existence. In the beginning, God created. God spoke all of that into creation, out of nothing. God didn't have, God didn't have wood like we have. and God didn't have paper. And God didn't have cotton like we have. No, God used nothing. There was nothing to build with. He built it just all out of himself. He knows everything. There was never a moment that he did not know. There was never a moment that God learned something. There was never a moment that God had, he had a, wow, I ought to do this. No, he's just always known. I don't get it. I don't get it, y'all. That is big. That is so big and so vast and so beyond. It's so beyond. And you know what even blows my mind even more? Keep reading. Look, look back over. Look at John. John. Finger. Pop back over to John. First John. You know what's crazy? What was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship was with, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. One of the most amazing thoughts. Yes, God is eternal. Wow. God is big and outside of all of this. Wow. God holds it together and he spoke it. He, he named every star and he holds it together by his word. But what's even more amazing is that he stepped foot down here on this earth. God became man and walked on the same earth that we're walking on. The same literal earth. The same dirt that you and I have, Christ has been on this same planet. Look over at John, John 1, that same John 1. You're back and forth in John, 1 John and John 1. Look at verse 14, John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh. And the Word became flesh. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. But Jesus came to this earth. This Jesus that we celebrate his life, he literally came to this earth. That is, that is mind-boggling. Why a God would come to this filthy, sinful place. Remember, he came to his own and his own received him. They rejected him. He came here. He knew he, knew he was going to be rejected and came anyway. 
He knew they were going to hate him and kill him, and he came anyway. That is amazing grace. That is amazing love. That is amazing beyond comprehension that a God so holy and righteous would step foot down here on an earth and, and live amongst sinners like us. Sinners like us. He came for a purpose, though. He didn't accidentally come. He didn't just willy-nilly come. No, he came for a reason. You know, if you go back all the way to that Genesis passage, that Genesis 1-1 passage, you don't have to turn. You know the story. Remember the story of Adam and Eve? Okay, Adam and Eve's there in the garden and everything is good. Actually, you go back a little before that, when Adam was all by himself, there in the garden all alone, he was naming all the animals and, and there was no helper for Adam and God sent Eve to be there with him. So Adam and Eve, there in the garden with God, and they're walking in the cool of the day. Scripture tells us that. I'm not making it up. You can read over in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 tells the final part. Sin entered the picture, and you and I and man and all the rest of us sinned. God said you could do anything you want to except that one thing. And man sinned. And you know what the Bible tells us? Look at a verse with me. Look at a verse with me. Go to, uh, go to Romans. Look at Romans. Y'all, many of you are turning the Bible or read it up here. Look at Romans 3.23. You say, yeah, but Adam and Eve sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. Yeah, but look at Romans 3.23. The consequences of Adam and Eve's sin is this. It says, for all have sinned. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, but Adam and Eve was the sinners. Yeah, but we are the beneficiaries of their sin. Their sin nature is passed down. Just like, I don't get it. I'm telling you right now, I don't get it. It's by faith I understand any of this. I don't understand the eternal nature of God. I don't understand the bigness and the vastness of how he can hold it in his hand. I don't understand how he literally manifested himself and walked on this earth. I don't completely get it. And guys, I sure don't also get how Adam and Eve's sin is cast down to all of us as well. We're all rebels. We're all sinners. We're all mess-ups. We lie, cheat, steal. We think bad thoughts. We say bad things. We go bad places. We do things we ought not. We know we shouldn't, and we do it anyway, and we know we should, and we don't. It's a universal issue, isn't it? You say, yeah, but everybody does it, so what's the big deal? Go to 6.23. Look at it. Look in your copy of God's Word. It may be on the screen. Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages, for the consequence, for the price of sin is death. Spiritual death. For the wages of sin is death. That's eternally separated from God. That's where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's where you, many will stand before God and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you kind of stuff. That is, that is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that amazing? But the free gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, what Jesus came to this earth to do is not just to live down here to be a good example. A lot of people look to Christ as an example. We want to live good, so let's look at what Jesus did. No, Jesus came on mission for a purpose. He had a reason for coming to this earth. He didn't just come to, to give us an example of how to live. No, He came to be a sacrifice for you and for me. 
Because here's the thing. That sin problem, what are you going to do about your sin problem? Well, I'm going to be better. How's that working for you? Well, I'm going to try harder. How's that working for you? I'm going to be really good. How's that going? That, that doesn't work, guys. We can't be good enough. There's nothing you can do to wipe one sin away. We, we can't. You can't. We had baptism this morning. That water does not wash sin away. We had a whole bunch of people up here raising their hand, praising God. That doesn't wash sin away. Church attendance doesn't wash sin away. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Jesus came for a purpose. Jesus came on mission. Jesus came to do something for us, for mankind, that we could not do for ourselves. Look with me. Look with me over in, um, go to John 17. John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer. I love it. It's amazing. Jesus says something here that's really, really important. Jesus came for a purpose. He, he was sent down here on mission, and, and here he is right before he come, accomplishes it. You know, remember his last words there on the cross that it's finished? Remember that? That's what he did. He, he fully satisfied the wrath that your and my sin rightfully deserved. Your sin and my sin, our rebellion, rightfully deserved punishment. So what God did is instead of punishing us, he punished his son instead, and whoever trusts in his son is forgiven. Look at what Jesus says in John 17. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. He's right there next, bumping up against, he's bumping up against arrest, right, wrongfully accused crucifixion. He's bumping right up against it and he's saying the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you even as you gave him authority over all flesh that to all whom you have given him he may give eternal life. This is eternal life. You want to know what it is? This is eternal life that they may know you the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what eternal life is. It's, it's not being good enough. It's knowing Christ. It's not trying really hard and being a good person. No, eternal life is knowing Christ. You've got to know Christ. I glorified, verse 4, I glorified you on the earth having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. He came on mission. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Remember, in the beginning, God. Remember, in the beginning was the Word. Remember, in the beginning, Christ. Jesus is like, look, I'm coming home. I've completed it. I've finished it. I've, I've, I've run the race. Look over with me. Hebrews, Hebrews 10. Why did Jesus die on the cross? I'm going to simplify it for this morning's purpose. He died so that we wouldn't have to. He died so that the punishment of sin, so that the sacrifice 
so that the wrath of God would be completely satisfied. Because the old way that they had going, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, remember when they were burning bulls and would burn goats and things like that? They would do it regularly every year. They would go and they would make these sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people. They had to do that regularly over and over and over. When Jesus came, that ceased to exist. Look at what he says here in chapter 10 of Hebrews. For the law, since it is only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin year by year. Look at verse 4, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when he comes into the world, that's Jesus, he says, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. That's Christ talking to the Father. But a body you have prepared for me. And whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins you have taken no pleasure then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written to me to do your will, O God. After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. Let me ask you. I know you get tired of this. Are you a Christian? Does all this make sense? Have you trusted Christ, the sacrifice, Christ the sacrifice? He said, look, uh, sacrifices and offerings you don't want, but what you've done is you've prepared a body for me and I give you my body. And Jesus was crucified on the cross and he was buried in a tomb and three days later he rose again. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you a Christian this morning? Because remember, this is for believers. We're celebrating. That's what we celebrate. That's what this little cup, it's just a cup. Nothing fancy. It's got a, it's got a little wafer in it. Go ahead, go ahead and take it. Get, get your cup. Get it. Gently tear back the top. The little plasticky piece on the top. Slowly pull that back. Listen, are you a Christian? Are you, are you this morning, as I read through this, as we read through what Christ did, as we read who Christ was and who He is and what He did for us, are we celebrating in our minds saying, thank you, Jesus? Because when you get to this little top piece right here, it's just, look, it's just a wafer. Do you know what this is symbolic of? Guys, for you and me, this is symbolic of the sacrifice that Christ made on Calvary for us. This is symbolic of the body that was broken, crucified. When he says there, hey, 
I give my body, that's what he's talking about. I want us to pray before we do this. I want us to pray. I want you to pray. Father God, hear our hearts. God, I pray right now if there's one in this room that's never trusted you as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that your spirit of God would convict and show them, Lord, their need of a Savior. And Jesus, you are standing there with open arms, desiring and willing to forgive. I don't want no, there's no special words. I don't know exactly what to tell you, but if you want Christ to forgive you, if you know that you need a Savior and that you're tired of running and tired of rebelling, why not say, Lord, something like this, Lord God, save me. Lord God, come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I, I trust you. I believe. By, by faith, I believe that you did die on the cross. By faith, I believe that I should have. I'm a sinner. It should have been me that was punished, but you took my place. Lord, it's me that is asking for forgiveness. Save me. Be my Lord. I give you my life. Father God, I pray that your spirit would move around this room. Lord, I pray that there's no one just hears you and sees what you did and just looks at you and says, not for me. God, help them. Lord, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for your body. I thank you, God, that we don't have to worry about going and sacrificing bulls and rams. Jesus, you have completely satisfied once and for all for us. Appease the Father. The wrath is poured out on you instead of me. God, I praise you for that. God, we do this this morning in remembrance of you. For your glory in Christ's name. Amen. We do it in remembrance of him. Pull back a little further. Gentle. Nothing quick, you'll pour it on yourself. Just a little Welch's grapefruit juice. But symbolic of the blood that was shed on Calvary. Symbolic of the sacrifice and the blood that was shed. Think about this. By the eternal God who never had a start. By the eternal God who did not have to come but manifested himself and stepped foot down here on this earth. By the eternal God who literally allowed himself. He could have spoken legions of angels down and he could have stopped it just like that. But instead, he went through with it completely, fully satisfying, fully being obedient to the Father. Shedding his blood for us. We do this in remembrance of him.